There's one other, I think, really important application of blood biomarkers in, in poultry. Oh, um, mm-hmm. I think of coccidiosis, especially yes. from, from a vet perspective, coccidiosis. Yeah. Uh, it's re- really common. Um, we're looking at how do the blood biomarkers move in response to coccidiosis infection, which is what a lot of people deal with. So uh, we actually did a trial, and there are some already research on this on this topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, we look at the plasma carotenoids. That's one of the, the biomarkers that we look at. And right. I'm sure you know carotenoids, it maintains an effective intestinal barrier uh, mm-hmm. function and reduces, you know, can reduce bacterial and toxin translocation. Right. Uh, it's a good indicator for that physical integrity of the gut. Uh, so there was a COCTI trial done, um, and we saw a significant drop in carotenoids as early as eight days prior to uh, in clinical signs. A whole new era of communication in the poultry industry is coming. Now you have the brightest minds of the global poultry industry right in your pocket. And what's best? You can listen to all of them while driving to a farm, traveling, or running errands. It's never been this good, and it's never been this simple. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. DSM, helping customers with efficient, sustainable poultry production. Eastman works with you to accelerate your nutritional program innovation. Start your journey with us at Eastman.com. Fibro Animal Health Corporation. Healthy animals, healthy food, healthy world. Your partner for improving animal performance, Berg and Schmidt. AX3 Digest is a highly digestible source of protein with a low level of potassium, giving young animals a healthy start. Welcome to the Poultry Podcast Show, a weekly podcast where you'll find cutting-edge insights, and everything that's working in the global poultry industry. DSM strives to bring our customers efficient, sustainable poultry solutions, from essential vitamins like HYD to next-generation products like Hyphorius for efficient phosphorus utilization and Biofix to counteract naturally occurring metabolites in feed. Our portfolio is growing as we continue to bring innovation to the poultry industry. Visit dsm.com forward slash ANH to learn more about our newest solutions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Poultry Podcast. My name is Jason Emmert, and today we're visiting with Dr. Montana Oob, who is a DVM and Technical Services Manager at DSM. Dr. Oob has a bachelor's degree in environmental biology from Nichols State University and a DVM from Louisiana State University. Montana, welcome to the Poultry Podcast. And thank you for having me. Happy to be here. We are so excited to have our conversation. There's lots of great things we can talk about, but we always like to get started hearing a little bit about folks' academic journey and you know anything you want to share, even the, the why poultry, that kind of stuff is always of interest to, to us and our listeners. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I start back in elementary school with my love of just chickens. Uh, yeah. I'll never forget I was in elementary school around third, fourth grade and came across this uh, eBay ad. Uh, we had just got a computer and internet and I saw on eBay uh, a dozen of fertile eggs listed for sale. They were silky chickens, uh, the most beautiful beautiful bird I can imagine. It was about $60 for a dozen of fertile eggs. Had no idea how to hatch eggs or anything about chickens. Uh, I convinced my parents to let me buy them because they initially said, no way, too expensive. Saved my birthday money. Uh, I ended up borrowing an incubator from someone 
Googled on backyardchickens.com how to hatch and incubate them. I get, get those dozen of eggs. I hatched out a handful by middle school, seventh, eighth grade. I had almost 300, a couple hundred at that point. So wow. I, yeah, an obsession. I, I loved breeding for um, FFA, 4-H. I did a lot of showing uh, exhibition birds. So I loved creating breeding programs, uh, figuring out what's the best feed. Um, I just loved all anything and everything poultry. Uh, Yeah, so I did that. I showed pigs as well. Um, We had horses. I remember in middle school when I had so many, and being from South Louisiana, uh, a majority of them got foul pox. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah, and I had no idea what this was. My parents had no clue. I remember looking up, um, diagnosing it, and went to Tractor Supply and bought the vaccine for it. And from then on, vaccinated every single chick that I hatched. Mm-hmm. And that problem entirely went away. And that, that was like a naha moment for me. It, it clicked. Sure. I was like, this, this, is, uh, this works. <laughs> this is, I want to learn more about this. Um, instead of that old school, you know, just... Oh, they're just chickens, but no, there are things you can do, uh, vaccines you can put in place to protect them. And that was an aha moment. And I decided I wanted to go to vet school, uh, did whatever I could to get into vet school from very early on. Um, yeah. And I, I wanted to have a backup plan. So I majored in environmental biology, uh, got into vet school, uh, lucky enough at LSU, I thought poultry would be part of what I would get to practice if I was lucky. I'd get to see some chickens because you don't hear in South Louisiana, there's not much of a commercial poultry industry. So right. uh, I didn't really have that representation. Um, had no idea this industry existed. Uh, so yeah, was hoping in vet school, I'd learn some chicken things and hopefully make that work somehow. But mixed animal was, was the goal then. Um, mm-hmm. This was two years before I graduated vet school. Uh, I happened upon triple AP and there was, there was a presentation given on just careers in poultry and poultry veterinarian was, was one of those career paths and sure. mine blown. I have, uh, nothing's ever clicked that hard for me. And at that moment, uh, I decided this is what I have been wanting to do since I was a kid and just didn't know it existed. Um, so then on, I, changed my concentration in vet school uh, for my clinical uh, year and a half and did as many poultry externships as I possibly could to get as much experience as as possible. Um, Yeah, and that's how I ended up. I graduated in 2022 from vet school and started with DSM um, as an intern and now a technical service manager. So yeah, yeah, just being here, um, happy just to be involved in the poultry industry. I just... uh, love chicken so much. So that's kind of my incentive, my motivation. Uh, that's what drives me really uh, when it comes to my career in, in poultry. That's fantastic. And I, it was hard for me to even sit still as you were telling that story, because that's, you know, as educators, for, for those of us that work in universities and for people in industry who work with interns and young people, I mean, that's what we live for, to see somebody get that aha moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just nothing better than that. And I, I think I all of us have, you know, some version of that, but that's fantastic. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Another thing, I, I think this is a great testament to if anybody who's listening that ever does workshops with students or with young people and you wonder, does this make a difference? I mean, it does, right? Uh, for AAAP, 
hey, that that brought somebody into the into the fold, into the discipline. Yeah. And yeah, so it's it's worth doing those things. Absolutely. And it highlights the importance for the outreach. You know, I had yes. 4-H was my outlet in, in elementary, middle school, high school. Uh, and luckily, I happened upon AAAP. But I, yeah, I know yeah. the importance of having those outreach programs. And it really uh, does. It just it touches people, you know. So that's yeah, yes. part of also what I love talking to young students, students in vet school who yeah. want a career in poultry and don't know quite how to navigate it. You know, it's a big right. industry, but it's still quite small. Uh, in the circle. So uh, navigating that has its own challenges if you're not familiar, but you can get there, you know, if you you have a passion for it, uh, it'll it'll, it'll happen. Yeah. I love the aspect of your story as well that, that involves you having as a young person, like an actual uh, medical experience with animals where you, you diagnose something, you figured out how to, to address that. And what a, what a difference and how refreshing compared to just what we often hear of, I want to be a vet because I love animals. Mm-hmm. Well, you had that experience and, and loved animals, clearly, uh, but it was much more real than that, where you encountered a problem and, and had to figure out how to solve it. Yeah, exactly. And I do love the idea of having that indirect impact on uh, public health on human health, mm-hmm. right? Uh, sure. I, in vet school, I have some am- amazing uh colleagues who practice great small animal and large animal medicine. There's so many good practitioners in that field. And I think there's, there's a need in, in poultry too, you know, from, from that sure. population epidemiology aspect. So uh, that's another part that I really love that broad impact, right. Of that mm-hmm. population medicine. And that just is like the icing on the cake, the cherry on top of, of right. what I get to do. Right. Right. I think that's one of the most interesting. Uh, I, I guess you could call it a contrast of, of veterinary medicine with poultry versus working with a lot of other kinds of animals, the, the, um, the flock, the population versus the individual, um, not that, you know, poultry veter- veterinarians don't care about the individual, but, you know, there's oftentimes many, many individuals and exactly. in situations where things can spread easily and quickly. And um, so, yeah, maybe talk about that a little bit. The, the differences, um, as you see it, in veterinary medicine with poultry and maybe what some of the opportunities are there versus other potential career paths that you could have taken. Yeah. So and I, I considered, you know, doing that mixed animal, which is, you know, small and large dogs, cats, mm-hmm. horses, and a little bit in yeah. agriculture. Um, but it's a completely different mentality when you're looking at companion animal, right? And that's what I like to refer to it as companion. It's yeah. very different when you have a client who's willing to go, you know, all out for one specific animal because of what it means yes. to them uh, versus right. when, you, when you have to be a little more, I guess, realistic and a little more uh, mm-hmm. have a different mindset when you're thinking about these huge populations of birds, right? It's, right. it's a different mentality. And with those, mm-hmm. it's two completely different career paths. there, different yeah. resources and, and it's a different, um, it's different medicine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I definitely considered doing small animal, but like I said, I love the idea of that broader impact, you know, it, it, impacts so much more than just me or one specific animal, you know, yes. um, there's that saying, you, know, you sacrifice one for, you know, for many instead of, um, yeah, just focusing on that one particular animal. So I think right. that really entices me. Right. 
And the degree to which that really impacts people, I mean, consumers, we, we have only to look at recent egg prices in the not too distant past and yeah. and even, you know, potentially facing, hopefully not, but potentially facing similar issues moving forward. We can see how, I mean, animal health has an impact on people uh, in, in every part of our society. It doesn't matter if they're on the farm or in a rural community or in the middle of a city. Exactly. Yeah, especially when it comes to underprivileged people who you need a clean protein source that's yes. efficient and there's sustainability comes ties into this. And, and yep. uh, yeah, I think that's such an interesting dynamic and there is so mm-hmm. much room for improvement there. You know, we're not done. There's so much right. research and resources in poultry and agriculture. And uh, it's nice to be part of that and be part of that conversation. It is. It is. One, one thing, too, and I, you know, kind of from the outside, at least of the veterinary profession, but looking at um, some of the poultry veterinarians I've known in the past, uh, it looks like oftentimes you have some really interesting opportunities to engage in the business side and even to um, to pursue some other career paths within the industry uh, that just opens, I think, a lot more doors than what um, many veterinarians in a small practice, small animal practice or mixed animal practice might have. Yeah, exactly. There are so many opportunities. It's almost overwhelming in poultry and just <laughs> sure. finding your place, right? I mean, it's yeah. funny. Uh, I talked to uh, some, some colleagues in, in small animal or in companion medicine and yeah, it's uh, yeah, v- very different. The opportunities in, in poultry. Uh, it's a different mm-hmm. industry entirely, and it can take yeah. you to so many different places. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's interesting because they think, oh, poultry is poultry. Chicken is chicken. But mm-hmm. even within that, I mean, you know, it's such a diverse field. And yeah, finding my place is a, a little more challenging uh, mm-hmm. than this already preconceived idea of what you do. It's different for every poultry vet and for every company and for every uh, breed and chicken and location. And there's so many variables. Right. And I think for, for all of us, we have to look at the potential career paths that we might take and understand what we're suited for. Um, every job has its stresses and, you know, I'm, I'm suited to handle these kinds of stresses, but not those kinds. And, and I know with, uh, with a lot of our students that go into veterinary medicine that uh, maybe are in their own mixed practice, working in you know clinics with uh, with companion animals, especially. There's some some new kinds of stresses that I think people didn't used to have to face, and a lot of it has to do with social media. Yes, I mean, being attacked on social media because you're not able to save somebody's pet. This is something that didn't happen years ago, but um, yeah, it's a it's a challenge trying to think about how to prepare students for that. Yeah. So traditionally, I think we would say, well, the business, you know, you're in the industry, there's stress that goes along with that. You need to be successful. Um, but there, it's not uh, it's not as if other veterinary career paths don't have stress. So yeah, I think exactly. people just need to think about what they're best suited for. Yeah, exactly. You get to really, I guess, reflect on what kind of lifestyle you want to live. Right. I yes. think that's a big part of yeah. it. And uh, it, I have, I know a lot of people who went through vet school and they're even mm-hmm. doing something entirely different than what they originally anticipated. Yeah. Right. Right. A lot of schooling is like that. And I feel like yeah. you really have to look, you know, within and think what, what do I want out of my career and lifestyle? Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. you have to align with that instead of forcing yourself into uh, something you're maybe not quite as suited for and then end mm-hmm. up burning out. Uh, 
uh, companion animal, especially with you mentioned that that like a mental health toll. Now that oh, was boy. that's another uh, big thing dealing with clients, dealing with owners of specific animals. It's, it's different than uh, on, on a farm level. So it's yeah. like you said, different type of challenge there. Yep, it is. And yeah, my lifestyle. I, I travel uh, pretty often. You know, sometimes two, three, four times a month. So it's wow. a even that's a different lifestyle. I, I look at it look at it as an opportunity to to experience and explore really the world. Uh, yeah. And it's again very different than having you know a typical like nine to five job at one clinic right. that you know you go to every day. Uh, it's yeah. every week for me is completely different and I have to be dynamic and flexible. Yeah. That's an exciting part, I think. That yeah, it keeps it interesting. In, yeah, in the midst of the challenges of vet school and the rigor, people, I would guess, may not think about those things as much. No. But yeah, there's there's a lot of excitement that could go along with that. Yeah, never would I have pictured that I could work from home and live really right. anywhere. I remember right. graduating and just the idea of picking any location I want to live and I just have to travel and do form calls, you know, and it's... Wow. Yeah, I pinch myself that I, I get to live this kind of lifestyle. So to Absolutely. me, poultry fits not only my personal interest and passion, but the lifestyle part fits yeah. perfectly. Uh, so it's like a win-win for me. Really, this I know this is what I, I'm meant to do. Oh, that's great. And, and a, kind of a good segue, I think, as we now let's um, uh, talk a little bit about your your current position and and what you do. And yeah, we'd like to hear a little bit about that. Yeah, so I'm a technical service manager, um, but previously at DSM still, I was an intern uh, yeah. under uh, an umbrella. Of, uh, DSM is a really big company, and sure. uh, there's um, a branch called Virax, uh, and they look at blood biomarkers in chickens. Uh, I was hired as an intern, really, to post or do necropsies, and the idea was to correlate those uh, vet observations to uh, the blood biomarkers in the bird. Uh because I guess just as a, I guess a refresher to anyone listening. So biomarkers, it's just a biological indicator of your body's uh, internal condition. Uh, you know, we can measure things like cholesterol, uh, blood sugar, oh, different yes. hormones. Those are all biomarkers. And historically, this has been used in vet med. Uh, you can use blood work every year when you, you know, when you bring your dog or cat to the vet. Let's do the annual blood work, right? And it, this is used to assess you know, underlying conditions you can't necessarily perceive. Um, things, things like hydration, hydration status, um, infection, anemia, um, nutritional deficiencies, things like that. Um, and just screening for metabolic disorders that you can't see otherwise. Right. Um, and this isn't used so much in poultry. And getting the opportunity to work on this kind of project was really enticing considering I just finished vet school. Uh, we, you know, we take a lot of clinical pathology to understand how do blood biomarkers move and understanding that in companion animal, because typically that's what it's been used for. Um, so yeah, I got hired on as an intern to, to necropsy and, and post birds and look at blood biomarkers. So really, really fascinating stuff. And I'm now full-time as a technical service manager, uh, still, you know, working with the service and, and posting a lot of birds mm -hmm. and making correlations and connecting things and figuring out how do we make a place in the industry for blood biomarkers, something that's right. pretty new. It's a different technology that I don't think the industry exactly knows what to do with. So part of mm -hmm. my job is to figure out how do we make a place for that and how do we understand that? And it's, 
it's not easy, but uh, it it's the future. Yeah, I wonder what what do you think has um, has maybe held us back in embracing that in the industry? I, I've kind of wondered. We, you mentioned you know some of the things we we track in humans, and I'm all too familiar with those <laughs> for sure. Um, but you know sometimes these are things we're watching over periods of just years and years. Is it because the the life cycle of our broilers and turkeys and really even layers is so much shorter that it really hasn't hasn't become a thing to to watch the biomarkers as much or what do you think has has kind of prevented that from developing to this point yeah i think that could be part of it just the Mm -hmm. lifespan in general right it's uh, would be a little more difficult to really pinpoint uh the specific blood biomarkers just considering they're not as long-lived as as we are there's not Mm -hmm. studies that have gone on for years and years to develop this data so that is that's a challenge for sure Mm -hmm. uh but I think a lot of it is like the logistical challenge of chicken, bird blood sure. in general. Uh, yeah. so chickens, like birds, they have nucleated red blood cells. Mm-hmm. Uh, they clot very quickly. Uh, it can be a little difficult um, measuring blood biomarkers in birds in general. Uh, we, so our service includes, uh, we have handheld uh, blood devices to go farm to farm. But some of this equipment can be costly. There are limitations blood, you know, uh, you, yeah, you have to be careful and conscious of, uh, your operating practices there. Sure. To influence yeah. that, the blood results. Um, right. I think it could be price. Uh, and also the, again, there's, there's some data on blood biomarkers in general in birds uh, and in chickens, mm-hmm. but, uh, tying that to exactly to disease challenge, there's less, mm-hmm. less of that. So it's, right. I think that's also another hurdle of, um, even the education piece of understanding these blood biomarkers, it's, yep. I mean, we take a lot of classes on clinical pathology. There is a residency for clinical pathology after vet school to even uh, further understand blood biomarkers. Um, same right. thing in, in uh, med school. Um, yeah. So it's complex. It's not a black and white um, mm-hmm. diagnosis, really. So I think, right. yeah, combined with the logistics of of sampling and um, mm-hmm. chicken blood and just that the resources of, of not entirely understanding it uh, kind of has held the industry back in that way. Right. Right. Well, we could probably do uh, an entire series of podcasts on things that we used to think were not possible that we do routinely now. Exactly. So I'm sure it's exciting to be kind of on the front end of this. Mm-hmm. And looking into the future, thinking, oh, it's it's pretty exciting where this can go. Then, yep. And there's so many applications, you know, it, commercially, uh, just mm-hmm. broilers, layers, turkeys, breeders. Uh, there's also that like a trial research uh, mm-hmm. application, too, of validating certain trials. Um, both helps veterinarians and nutritionists, uh, farm managers. So t- t- to me, it's uh, there's such a blood biomarkers are so broad and there's so many applications that there is a little bit, a little bit for, for, you know, for everyone in the industry. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Do, now, are there, um, are there any specific kinds of, of areas in particular you'd like to address with those? Or I'm wondering, especially you mentioned the, um, you mentioned nutritionists and I think so much now about the gut and how important, I mean, we always knew it was important, but, you know, just thinking about the microbiome and everything we can tell and learn from that. Um, Yeah, I don't know if there's anything in that realm or or any other specifics you might want to 
to talk about with biomarkers. Yeah. So like I said before, blood biomarkers are so broad. There are so mm-hmm. many. And yes. lo- looking yeah. from like a, a practical standpoint in poultry and chickens, mm-hmm. it's, uh, we go form to form and it's you, you want to be able to get results in real time. So that's another right. aspect of, of blood work in general, having to right. send off samples, pull blood, spin mm-hmm. it down, ship it off. You get results weeks later. At right. this point, the problem's gone. So that's another yeah. logistical hurdle. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so what we, we do, we don't do that. We don't send off blood. Uh, mm-hmm. We have portable blood analyzers. Right. Uh, so we can bring them form to form and get results within 10 minutes to 3 to 12 minutes of, of sampling. Right. Uh, so we limit the blood biomarkers we look at based on that uh, so that we can get really quick turnaround time. Uh, so I like to look at blood biomarkers. There's, they fit in certain, certain buckets to me. Mm-hmm. They're like nutritional biomarkers, uh, like right. calcium, phosphorus, uh, sodium, potassium, chloride, um, uric acid, total proteins. And then you have those more immune or disease oriented blood biomarkers. Mm-hmm. If like carotenoids, uh, AST, um, uric acid, again, total proteins, you have albumin, globulin, that ratio, glucose, uh, and there's some overlap here, of course, but in general, there's, you know, I'll kind of look at it as, as two different buckets of, of biomarkers. So, yeah, those are the main ones that we look at. And, uh, yeah, we can just get into like a few examples of, of how I can see this fitting in really in this like commercial setting. Right. Uh, I guess as a veterinarian, I think the total proteins is, is fascinating. Uh, that and the albumins and the globulins. So, we know albumin is the most abundant protein in, in plasma, uh, found in both animals, plants, uh, helps with osmotic pressure, um, transport of substances throughout the body, and it's made by the liver. Uh, so in healthy individuals, uh, 60 to 70% of the total protein value you get uh, should be albumin. Uh, mm-hmm. So low albumin, even in small animal, as well, this applies to other species. It's associated with malnutrition or possibly liver problems. Oh, right. Uh, so, yeah, you get total protein, you get the albumin, and then globulin value. Uh, that glob- globulins are split into multiple fractions, really. If different mm-hmm. albumin is, is more homogenous, but globulins are split into uh, different fractions, really. You have you know alpha, beta, gamma, globulins and those are also made by the liver but those help more of those help fight uh infection so yeah if you look at you know those two buckets and then that ratio of also gives you some indication of that immune status of the bird um so ideally you want a higher albumin and you want a lower globulin because Mm -hmm. if you have higher higher globulins would mean that you're having some sort of active immune challenge right? right um so yeah looking into that and you know, we've tested birds and we see uh, imbalances in this albumin to globulin ratio. Um, and yeah, it gives you an idea of when are those birds experiencing some sort of challenge? Uh, because you, when we sample, we uh, sample multiple ages. And we can get an idea of when are those birds reacting to something uh, mm-hmm. before we can even visually see it, right? And I think wow. that's uh, important to point out that this is... It's good to correlate the blood biomarkers along with necropsy data. So right. hosting sessions, pretty commonplace in broilers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it only can tell you so much. It's only what you can visually 
C in the bird. Uh, so like having that extra level of a, a little deeper understanding into what's actually happening there. Uh, it can also like validate what you what you're already seeing. It can help you you know give you some insight into oh gosh these birds are now then partitioning you know energy into making these albumins uh, to fight infection. And again, that takes away from lean gain, takes away from feed conversion, which are all things that we care deeply about in broilers. So now the, I have kind of an off the wall question. Um, and because this is something I think about so much, I teach an advanced composition course. Mm-hmm. So I think about AI a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> because, yeah. you know, trying to, trying to stay at least even with the students, I, I've given up being a step ahead of them, but <laughs> even, but do do you foresee any potential role um, because of the complexity with biomarkers? I'm wondering if there if there will be a role for AI in helping um, assess that complex mix that you might be able to see. Even if you're um, measuring a small number of them, I, I feel like it could still get pretty complicated pretty quickly. Great that you touched on the artificial intelligence piece because mm-hmm. there are people on our team at DSM Furmanish that are. Uh, much more f- focused and uh, a lot brighter than me when it comes to data analytics, right? Yeah. That is a, that's something vet school doesn't really prepare you for, at least right. not me. That's a, right. it's a different skill set. And mm-hmm. I admire our data analysts. They are brilliant. And it, using, you know, the power of artificial intelligence uh, to come up with these models that can mm-hmm. then correlate, right? If we have a positive, you know, vet condition, pathology we see on a posting, picking out those blood biomarkers that are directly correlated to that specific pathology and then yeah. creating a model, right? Then that's what, that's what they, you know, they've worked on too. So in, in the future, the idea is maybe we don't have to post or necropsy birds as often during a, a routine oh, right. posting session. Mm-hmm. What if we just go in, pull blood on some birds and then mm-hmm. look, at, look at that and, and see what kind of challenges, what are they facing that is uh, subclinical, or even clinical, you know, depending on the situation. So sure. uh, who knows the application in the future of, of where we could oh. go? Because, yes, yeah, some of those models are, are really spot on. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It, it boggles the mind. And, uh, yeah, I'm certainly no expert in that area either, which is, yeah. <laughs> I wish yeah. I were for, for that class I teach. But, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's complicated. And I, I think even the next level is correlating both blood biomarkers with yep. specific performance metrics uh, right. to see we have this really high performing flock. What do those biomarkers look like in those really great high performing birds? And what do they look like when those birds are challenged or not converting their feed like they should be? Uh, right. So like the application of that in and of itself is oh, I mean, my there. So it, yeah. it quickly gets really complicated and it's, it does. Yeah. Very innovative, but yeah, it's, I think it's the future. That's right. And that, well, and this is how careers are made. Mm-hmm. You know, you start to see these emerging things and yeah, this will, um, the, this is really the future. I mean, I think it's pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, there's so many things to think about in uh, both AI avian influenza and AI artificial intelligence move yep. so quickly that uh, it's all, it can be hard to keep up, but it's, that's part of the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the job. exactly. Yeah. Well, we've been visiting for a bit, and and I want to be mindful of your time. And so, uh, you know, this 
this is a time when I'd like to ask if there's anything else that you would like to share before we get to our, you know, final three questions. Anything you'd like to share with the listeners? Well, it can be, yeah, any anything else professional or any questions that, that we haven't covered that you think would be a good good thing to include? Uh, on, I guess one final note. Uh, yeah. There's one other, I think, really important application of blood biomarkers in, in poultry. Oh, really? um, mm-hmm. I think of coccidiosis. Especially yes. from from a vet perspective, coccidiosis, yeah. uh, it's re- really common. Um, we're looking at how do the blood biomarkers move in response to coccidiosis infection, which is what a lot of people deal with. So uh, we actually did a trial, and there are some re- already research on this on this topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, we look at the plasma carotenoids. That's one of the, the biomarkers that we look at. And I'm sure you know carotenoids, it maintains an effective intestinal barrier uh, mm-hmm. function and reduces, you know, can reduce bacterial and toxin translocation. Uh, it's a good indicator for that physical integrity of the gut. Uh, so there was a COCTI trial done, um, and we saw a significant drop in carotenoids as early as eight days prior to uh, in clinical signs. So it was oh one day after the challenge, right, eight days before they were clinical for it, we saw this sharp drop in carotenoids. So uh, it, that's just another application or uh, something to think about in terms of what can these biomarkers potentially yes. show us and how do we use that? And um, right. yeah, the application of that, figuring that out is, is, uh, yeah, is interesting. Oh, very good. And I, I do actually want to go back to one thing that, that you said a minute ago, and I, I didn't want to gloss over this because I think it's a great point. Um, we are so used to asking the question why when things aren't going right or when we suspect that there's a problem. Um, but when you talked about looking at high-performing flocks, uh, how how instructive could it be to also ask the question, why? Why are they doing so well? Mm-hmm. What can we see that helps us uh, get a better understanding of that that we can then apply to other situations? Yeah, that's a great uh, great point, I think. Yeah, it gives just a deeper understanding of, you know, our goal, keep them healthy, keep them yeah. performing, right? So it's just another, I think, tool in the toolbox uh, that's pretty underutilized. Well, very good. Well, this has been great. I've enjoyed visiting with you and hearing more about biomarkers. It's yet another area outside of my area of expertise, <laughs> uh, but one that's so, so interesting. And, yep. and I'm going to be very excited to watch that over the coming years to see yeah, see all the, the new things that, that emerge from that that we haven't even thought of yet. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. I think yeah. the possibilities are endless. And uh, I, I, I appreciate the time yeah. uh, and allowing yeah. me to talk about these things. It's time for our famous three. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. Natural Biologics is looking deeper to find the natural solutions to your poultry health challenges. Adiseo provides nutritional solutions and services to help producers achieve their targets in high quality, safe, and sustainable way. Ivonic Animal Nutrition, we are sciencing the global food challenge. AB Vista offers pioneering products and technical services tailored to the poultry industry to help them succeed. Your partner in improving animal performance, Berg and Schmidt. They believe the following additives are necessary in the poultry dietary. Functional lipids for an efficient dietary energy management. Phospholipids for emulsification, achieving a better nutrient intake. 
MCTs to provide energy and modulate the microflora within the intestines and enzymes for elevated use of fibrous materials and byproducts. Well, we have uh, three questions we like to ask all of our guests. And uh, so first thing we, we like to hear about, because people share just some great ideas about this, but do you have a favorite poultry-related resource, a book, um, just that, that kind of go-to that has become very important for you? Uh, my go-to poultry resource is definitely the Avian Disease Manual. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, to me, that has been yep. like the like chicken Bible. Uh, yes. Really nice pictures, easy to reference, easy to find mm-hmm. things, pretty much everything laid out in this book. I had a copy of that in vet school, and it has served mm-hmm. me very well. I love to just refer to it and keep it in my backpack no matter where I go on any trip oh, just yeah. to refer to. I think it is a great, great resource. Very practical. Yeah. You know, it's pretty concise. You don't get yes. too bogged down in the details, and right. yeah, it's a good good read. Yep. There's lots of other resources for when you when you need to pursue things at a deeper level. But yeah, that's practicality. That's a fantastic one. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very good. All right. Well, how about if we if we take the poultry restriction off? Do you have a favorite kind of non poultry resource or book? And this can be it could be professional, but it could definitely be just for for fun or something that you enjoy. Uh, So I've always tell my friends this. If I didn't go to vet school, and practice poultry medicine, Mm -hmm. I would 100% be a botanist. I love plants. That's always been my plan B in case vet school Mm -hmm. didn't work out. Uh, Love, love plants. I collect a bunch of house plants since I was a child. Uh, Some of my favorite resources, which may sound odd, Facebook groups for plants. Sure. Oddly, it has some of the best, most practical information. I like to collect a lot of rare and unusual species that you really can't find much in the literature or even online. Those Facebook groups, you have these specialists who've grown these plants uh, across the world, Mm -hmm. giving their practical knowledge of how to grow these specific uh, plants that have these specific conditions to survive. Uh, And that has oddly been such a great resource and probably Mm -hmm. one of the few reasons I like to use Facebook is (laughs) for these these plant groups. Yeah. Well, how I, I love hearing and how wonderful it is to hear those kinds of stories with social media, mm-hmm. which shows just the the tremendous positive potential instead of, you know, some of the negative things we think about sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's great. And you can connect with people from just about anywhere. Yes. Just amazing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great. Well, the last question then is just for um, for someone who wants to get into the poultry industry, um, and I think even, you know, if we want to specialize in, uh, in, in poultry veterinary medicine, what advice would you have? You've already given some great advice and talked about that, but anything else you, you'd like to say to people who may have those aspirations? I think networking is one of the most important tools to, to oh, getting there. Yeah. I think there's so many people in poultry who are so knowledgeable uh, mm-hmm. and who are so willing to share that information. And I think uh, there's so many things that you can't necessarily read in a book, especially in vet med. It's a yeah. lot more than just reading. It's sight, sound, smell. Uh, yes. So uh, utilizing the people around you to help you understand and, and, and grow in that way is, I think, crucial to make it in this industry. Uh, having that kind of mentorship 
uh, and guidance through this industry is is really mm-hmm. helpful. Just considering how much expertise is is out there. Um, oh my so I think networking and taking advantage of the conferences and there are so many poultry conferences and uh, all the research definitely don't yeah don't underutilize those uh, opportunities. Uh, that's great advice. And, you know, we think about the poultry industry or maybe even it's just the number of birds. We think, oh, it's enormous. There's so many. But the poultry community is not that large. Exactly. And I'm sure when you think about the poultry veterinary community, it's probably pretty, pretty tight knit. I imagine you can you can get to know a lot of the folks that are that are in it in a pretty short period of time if you take advantage of opportunities to network. Yeah, exactly. There's so much to teach. And I, I feel like a sponge. I just love to talk to people and, and, and learn as much as I can. That's why I appreciated all of my externships throughout vet school. That's Absolutely. really prepared me uh, even more so than the actual coursework. Well, and I'm sure you're, you've already experienced this when you talk to young people. There's not many things more exciting than as a professional, when you can talk to somebody coming into the industry, coming into the profession, who has that intellectual curiosity and who has that just eagerness and openness to learn. That, exactly. That's a wonderful feeling. So no matter which side of that equation you're on, that's, that's a great dynamic to experience. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, very good. Well, Dr. Montana, Oob, we have enjoyed our time uh, chatting with you. We thank you so much for your willingness to share your journey, your story, and uh, the, and this emerging expertise in uh, poultry biomarkers, which we're going to keep our eye on for the future. Many exciting things there. Yeah, thank you for having me. I always love getting a chance to talk about it. Absolutely. And thanks to everyone out there for listening. We hope you join us next time for the next uh, installment of the Poultry Podcast. But until then, we wish everybody a wonderful day and a wonderful fall. Thank you, everyone. Looking to elevate your brand and captivate audiences through the power of podcasting? Look no further. Introducing the custom podcast brought to you by Wisemetics, where we take care of the behind the scenes so that you can focus on what truly matters. Podcasting has become an invaluable tool for brand awareness, but let's face it, putting it into practice can be a daunting task. It's incredibly time consuming and requires technical know-how, but don't worry, we've got you covered. With our experienced team at The Help, we'll handle the operational aspects so you can channel your energy into what your company does best. Are you ready to unleash the podcasting potential of your company? Schedule a call with one of our specialists today at the link in the bottom of this episode. You'll also receive a free podcast strategy consult tailored to the unique needs and goals of your business.